Hey everybody, this is Justin from FrugalSnobs.com. Today is Sunday, October the 4th, 2015. I just wanted to give a quick lead-in for episode 22 of the Frugal Snobs podcast, the on-demand audio award-winning experience that's never won an award, but that could all change as I'd like to say. And we're about to uh, sit down here and have a conversation with Eric Johnson, uh, coach and entrepreneur, as well as a real estate investor based in Bradenton, Florida. Really looking forward to this conversation, and I hope you do enjoy my conversation with Eric uh, coming up shortly. However, I did want to take a, an opportunity to uh, congratulate the Washington Redskins on their hard-fought victory in division play today against the Philadelphia Eagles with a touchdown reception with 26 seconds left in the fourth quarter. A uh, really great comeback, really great final drive by the Skins, and uh, really happy with this win. They needed it. And we're looking forward to the Atlanta Falcons on October 11th, and we'll see how that uh, works out. But until then, I hope everyone enjoys episode 22 and my conversation with the one and only Eric Johnson. As always, be well, never pay retail, and I hope everyone enjoys the show. Hey everybody, this is Justin from FrugalSnobs.com. Today is Tuesday, October 6, 2015. And before we get into episode 21 of the Frugal Snobs podcast and my conversation with Eric Johnson, I thought I would deliver for everyone another quick drink review of the Uber Pills from Heavy Seas Brewing of Baltimore, Maryland, 7% ABV. Um, very nice gold color on this particular brew. It is a Pilsner, everybody, so it is a traditional gold color. Um, very nice, smooth taste on the palate. I would definitely serve this cold at around 40 degrees. I'll probably enjoy this with typical pub grub. I actually enjoyed some pizza earlier this evening from Paisano's, and I would definitely um, pair this particular brew with pizza. Uh, it would be a very interesting uh, palate cleanser for you. So for anyone who is in the area in Northern Virginia, check out Paisano's. And again, the Uber Pills from Heavy Seas, very nice offering, very smooth Um I would probably give this a 4 out of 5 star snob rating. And again, it is a traditional Pilsner, but again, comes in a little heavy at 7% ABV, so consume responsibly. As always, be well, never pay retail, and I hope everyone enjoys my conversation coming up with Eric Johnson. Everybody, this is Justin from FrugalSnobs.com, and as I've let everyone know in the, the upcoming uh, few recordings leading up to this call, I now have with me Eric Johnson who is actually an entrepreneur, advisor, and coach. So how are you, Eric? I'm well, thanks for asking, and uh, thanks for having me on your really awesome show, Justin. Thank you very much. And actually, I'm, I'm very, very happy to have you on. Uh, Eric and I actually go back quite a way. I think back to 2009, Eric, I worked with you on a, a project, and we've stayed in touch ever since. But it um, seems like um, you really work in a number of different domains. So there's, there's a lot that you cover. So do you mind letting our listeners know really what you've done, what you're currently interested in, and, and, and really where you're most comfortable uh, working now. I mean, you've done a lot of things. Uh, absolutely, sure. So um, I've spent a lot of time in the mortgage, in the mortgage finance world helping uh, individuals and uh, investors, you know, finance real estate and uh, encouraging people to, you know, learn the distinctions of managing, you know, finances and, and uh, real estate investments. And uh, that's over the years segue- segued into personal financial coaching and helping people get uh, strategies for be- becoming debt-free and, you know, leveraging in, in unique ways their their resources. So, uh, 
and then that's taken another step into some business coaching and uh, and personal coaching as well, which is kind of the topic of your podcast today, if I'm not mistaken, is coaching. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. This seems like you, you've done quite a bit. Now, I have a general rule on, on, on this show typically, Eric, uh, when we don't have a guest, but of course I'll implement the same rule when we do have a guest. I have a very large cup of coffee that I'm, I'm going to be going through as we go through this call. So I'll be talking to you. Typically, I talk until my cup is empty. <laughs> so there you we'll, go. Uh, we'll put you on the, the coffee cup clock, if you will. So we'll drink slowly. Oh, I, well, trust me. <laughs> I have to. I have a lot of energy, as, as my, my, my listeners are already aware. So you spoke a little bit um, about your domains of expertise and, and being a coach. What, what brought you into being a coach? I've always had this, this interest in coaching in terms of uh, motivational speaking from some people. Others have their, their, their different uh, area of expertise where they'd like to evangelize their philosophy and whatnot. But what, what brought you into coaching? Well, I think it was kind of an evolution. Uh, I, I noticed that in the, in the time that I would spend with clients in the mortgage uh, spectrum, I would find myself delivering a lot of education and uh, bringing people from point A to point B and their understanding of how you know, how finances or money work, for example. And uh, through some of my own personal growth, that led to also sort of becoming a resource for people on a personal development level as well. So it became not just, you know, finances and mortgage-related things, but then it uh, sort of evolved into, you know, working with people around personal performance issues or, or sometimes just personal, you know, career development or, or sometimes relationship issues as well. And it, it, I guess it had to, uh, it came about just as an outgrowth of, of wanting to share and, and wanting to help people develop or assist them or support them in developing in whatever areas that, uh, you know, they, they were encountering. And again, mostly financial, but uh, in other ways as well. Well, I can I can honestly attest to you myself. I mentioned that you and I go back quite a few years, and back to 2009. Eric has certainly helped me at multiple points, and, and we really developed a nice rapport with one another. So the man speaks the truth, everyone. He's, he's definitely worked with me quite a bit and helped me develop some of my own ventures and whatnot. I'm, I'm very much indebted uh, to you, Eric, for that. But I have a, a, another question. You, you had mentioned working with people and also helping them develop. When a person comes to you, um, and you work with them, what are some of the characteristics that a typical client of yours or a typical person tend to have? Is there a, is there a pattern when they come to you? Is there, is there a certain um, area where they may be lacking, or is there a, a dominant area, or is it really just across the board? I mean, do you work with all kinds of people, or is there just a general set of characteristics that someone might have if they seek out a coach? People seek a coach, and sometimes they won't, they won't call it a coach. They, they usually are at a nexus in life where they need to or want to manifest something new. They, they want to open a new chapter or take a new step or have some sort of growth, whether it's personally or financially or in their career. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point that there's this sort of drive, this internal motivation or hunger, if you will, to, uh, to figure out how, how can I make this work? How can I... You know, how, there's some kind of desire. Perhaps is a good uh, a good word for it. You know, if it's a if it's a couple trying to get into their first home, there's a desire to you know, you know, migrate away from that rental situation and move into a home ownership situation. It's a perfect perfect example. There's some kind of transition or some phase of growth that's about to happen or needs to happen that that person is you know in touch with, and uh, that's what causes the conversation to emerge. You know, and then you know out of that 
conversation. There's a there's there's room to explore, you know, how to cause those things to happen. And uh, you know, kind of going back to your original question of what got me involved in it, it I like doing that. You know, writers write, uh, painters paint, songwriters write songs. I happen to like coaching. It's just something I love to do naturally. Anyway, and uh, you know, having someone go from point A to point B with a, a, a satisfaction and a smile on their face saying, wow, I, I'm, you know, I can see the process going through. I can see the uh, the result that I want to have starting to, to become a reality. That's very satisfying. I, I can imagine. I can definitely imagine. And I, I think a lot of the individuals that you may work with also affect you as well and you learn from them. I think it's more of a I mean, at least what I have found in working with others as well is it's really more of a, a symbiotic relationship. It's mutualism, if you will. You learn from one another. Um, you had mentioned that in, in your previous answer that y- you tend to work with individuals who are looking to transition or have a drive or a desire of some sort. Um, if a person is a young professional, such as myself, um, do you have many of those individuals coming to you to, to see if they can move forward to that next plateau of their life, the the, the next um, the next horizon, so to speak, and, and if they do, what are some of the, the typical areas where, where they'd like to strive? Is it home ownership? Is it financial freedom? Is it independence? Is it career-driven? Or is it really a multitude of things that, that brings, let's say, a young professional like myself possibly to, to, to you? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. All those areas uh, apply. And, you know, some, sometimes, uh, sometimes people will will have one particular area that they, they, they think they want to focus on, and, uh, and yet your whole life is sort of related. You know, you, we, we, sometimes, we sometimes have this, this thought that, well, my work, my work life is separate from my home life, or, or my, you know, my relationship is, is different, you know, from other areas of my life. And it's, it, the reality is that they're all kind of related. And so when you start working on one of these areas, the other ones start to be impacted. It's sort of a uh, the ripple effect. It's a holistic, uh, you know, sort of thing that uh, that I that I look at is it's more of a holistic thing. So to answer your question, people oftentimes will come with a particular uh, issue, and you know that can be the starting point for a conversation. And uh, certainly, you know, I like I like to ask each client what results they're looking for, what do they hope to accomplish, and then. That starts the ball rolling, and sometimes we take some interesting turns. Uh, it's it's really a dialogue and a conversation that, that develops uh, as we go along. Interesting. Um, actually, I'm a bit curious by by that response, and, and, and in a very positive way. So, when when a client typically typically comes to you with a let's say a desired outcome, when you work with them, and obviously I'm not giving away too much magic here. I definitely want uh, more individuals to to speak to, to to someone, and also particularly to speak to you about about what their goals are. When you work with someone in terms of their goals, do you? I know that that some individuals work from the end, and in other words, the outcome, and work backwards. How do you, how do you typically work with a client? I mean, do you work from the the end result, you know, backward to today, or uh, how exactly? What, what is your approach like when it comes to, to to working with a client and identifying that 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 outcome that they'd like to achieve? Well, that's a great question. Um, things work really well when you live from the future that you want to create. And so, yes, you have to have, to, to be effective, a well-formed outcome. And in, in many cases, this is one of, the, one of the points where we really work with people on developing well-formed outcomes. Many people 
are bouncing around through life and they don't really have well-formed outcomes in mind. They have this vague sense of what they think they would like to have or achieve or create, and yet they haven't languaged it in such a way that makes it possible to actually have happened in a way that ends up being satisfying. So, for example, um, if somebody says, you know, I want to be more financially successful. Okay, well, that sounds great, but it's very nebulous. And uh, I just recently had a, a young man who came to me, and I, I usually start out with, with a fair amount of homework that's uh, introspective and, and really digs into values and priorities and goals and interests and a lot of different things that tie in together. And one thing that I, I noticed is a recurring theme in the way that he languaged back to me some of his answers was that there was this sort of nebulous, uh, vague sense of what he wanted to accomplish. There was no uh, really objective, measurable, specific outcome that had been defined. And so that was one of the first areas that we really started to work on. Well, what does a financial success uh, mean? What, is, what does that look like? If I'm an outsider looking in on your situation, how will I know or how would a stranger know when you've achieved what you said you want to achieve, you know, is that a, a five, a high five-figure income? Is that $70,000 a year? Is it $40,000 a year? You know, everything's relative. And for some people that are living on $20,000 a year, financial success might be $40,000 a year. And, you know, we could have that conversation on and on and on. <laughs> There's folks that are making $100,000 a year where that's not satisfying and $200,000 a year, a year is what they think would be satisfying to them. So living from the future, though, is what you, what I find effective uh, as a starting point, living from the future that you create, that you step into. And then, of course, there are strategies and ideas and motifs on how to get there. Well, um, I, I'm a firm believer in, the, in, in, in Gandhi's saying that be the change you want to see in the world. And I think that's very important. And what's interesting here is you you gave several different examples of an individual's concept of of, of um, financial success. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I did have a, a question around the concept of value. Um, and by the way, for all of our listeners, um, I, I did work with, with with I worked with Eric over the, the years, and that's prepping for you know our, our call our call today. I, I sent over some questions, but I kind of wanted to deviate a little bit. But Eric is very good on his feet. So um, <laughs> I had a quick question about, about value. Um, when a client comes to you, uh, have you ever asked them about what, what, what they place value on? I mean, is it typically finances? Is it in terms of the ability to be, be able to purchase material things? Or have you ever thought about um, focusing maybe some of your coaching around the concept of value, or do you do that already? And, and if you do... Do you find that different clients have different senses of what value is? Is it is it really an individual, introspective concept of value, or do you often see people being uh, more outwardly um, focused in terms of of a visual success or or a social success, or or is it more of an intrinsic thing where where value is more focused on the the, the concept within? Well, values are obviously highly. Uh, individualized, and it's, it's certainly a, a component of the conversation and dialogue that's very integral to making any sort of uh, transition that's positive and helps people in a, in a good direction. Um, one of the things that uh, 
people sometimes have a hard time with is being very clear on what their values are and articulating them in, in, in a way that's meaningful for them. Um, you know, we, we all kind of bounce around through life being programmed as to what values we should have by our culture and our family and mm-hmm. many other influences along the way. And you, having um, the ability right, to be right. clear about that is, is very much a critical part of the, any coaching conversation. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but I, but I, I kind of synthesized that, that question as you were speaking. I thought, you know, I really want to ask him about the concept of value because I think it's different for everyone. Um, sure. But from a cultural perspective, you mentioned that a bit. You also mentioned that the language of, of finding that outcome and, and, and realizing that outcome is different for every person. Do you think the, the languaging aspect and the cultural aspect of where a person comes from really affects what, like you said, what, what value is and, and have you seen any patterns in terms of culture when it comes to assigning value? And what I mean by that is, for example, if a person comes from a degree of means, so to speak, financially or a degree of religious or social value means, do you find patterns when, when, when you work with clients from, from different areas or different cultures in terms of how they, they place value or do you see more of a, a uniform approach to value as, well, I have a general sense, like you said, a nebulous sense of what value is or what achievement or accomplishment is, but I'd, I'd like to, to, to really focus that. Do you, do you see any patterns when, when working with, with people from different cultures in terms of how they assign value or how they assign uh, success? Oh, very definitely. Very definitely. I think it's uh, it, it's, re- it's really pronounced, uh, especially from a financial point of view, when, when I speak with people that are from, uh, you know, from, from Asian countries as it, as it relates to their financial values, um, they have a whole different perspective um, culturally than people that are from and originate here in the United States. Um, you know, I think you can uh, look at some of the, the, the research that's been done on, on average net worth of um, you know, certain classes of immigrants. And then in some cases, some of these immigrant classes have a net worth that's sometimes three to five times higher than the average American who's born in this country. And, of course, that's a, that's a function of, of values around finances and work. And, that, 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 that's interesting. I, I never really thought about it that way. Um, and and from, from my own experience working with, with individuals from a number of different backgrounds and from a number of different areas of the world, um, and again, I, I just want to clarify for all of our listeners that Eric and I are not stereotyping anyone or any, any different group, but it's just observation. So I, I would say that I, I would agree with you. I, I think that not only is it, a, is it a, an income thing or a or a concept of finances, but I think it's also an upbringing sort of thing and building that, that culture at the home and then sure. basically exercising it throughout throughout one's, one's life. And one of the questions I also had is, you know, relating back to this cultural premise, um, have you ever encountered a client where, let's say they, they came from means or their family uh, came from means, and have you ever encountered clients who either wanted to sustain uh, that level of success, or have you ever encountered a client where, um, let's say culturally speaking, or, or let's say socially speaking, they came from a, a family of means where they wanted to either sustain what they had, or did they want to build it by themselves? And I think you, you kind of see where, I, where I'm going here, and I'll give an example of, of um, let's say, Donald Trump, right? He has several children, and Warren Buffett is the same way. He has several children, 
And he's often said that, you know, his children will not be getting anything in terms of his, his finances and his wealth, and they have to build it themselves. Have you, have you encountered um, clients of differing beliefs when it comes down to how they were raised and how they'd like to see their future? Or um, is it typically a, this is a sustaining exercise where this is how I was raised or this is, this is what I have today and this is what I'd like to, to maintain? Or have you seen people really focus more on the hard work um, approach to, 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 to gaining success? Well, that's that a lot of questions in one. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really it, it's it's really different for for everybody. You know, I remember one time being in a transformational workshop, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a a young man who who got up and there, there was there was a lot of sharing going on in this particular group. It was like a large group awareness training uh, type of program, and this young man got up and he proceeded to talk about how his uh, his his family had just given him everything. Uh, they had. Um, you know, supplied him with with all the means necessary for success and just handed him everything. And he felt like he, he couldn't, you know, do anything on his own. He, he felt very uh, very put off by this, this idea. Mm-hmm. And just as if to simply have a contrasting opinion or, or, or view of how things could work, another, another person got up and said, you know, um, my family had lots of means and everything. They never gave us anything. We had to work for everything that we that we got. And here were two people that basically had the same uh, the same kinds of backgrounds, complaining about you know about their circumstances. And it was like, wow, they should have just switched, and they would have been happy. But life doesn't quite work that way. Um, I think there's a there's a you know culture is sort of an operating system. Uh, Terence McKenna actually had that phraseology, I think, culture is an operating system. And and we, we come from these these sort of backgrounds and in some cases we wind up, you know, appreciating the, the way that uh, our upbringing has, has been handed to us and then other other times we don't. And um it, it sometimes doesn't really have any linear relationship to to, to any sometimes it doesn't make logical sense uh, how you choose to perceive these things or how you wind up, you know, taking them in. There's a lot of variables. There's a lot of I, I call it a constellation of variables that, that wind up influencing how you how you're gonna you know react to these things that, that happen to you. That's interesting. You, you put it that way because the way that I'm visualizing that and, and the way that you use the, the 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 phraseology and the wording is that if it's a constellation of variables, right? I, I often see like like you said, each variable is almost like a, a star in the constellation, and a different makeup of variables creates a very different constellation. So sure it does. In this case, a number of different variables can create a different image, a different sense of, of, of value and a different sense of a value system and things of that sort. I never really thought about it that way. That, that's very interesting. And, and Eric, I won't steal your thunder. I won't steal that from you, but I do like that concept. <laughs> constellation of variables. I like that. Um, one of the other um, questions, that, and this is also something from my, from my own personal background, and we've talked about this before just in private conversations, is that I was raised a certain way um, in a certain uh, cultural system, if you will, an ecosystem at home during my upbringing that, you know, I had, I had a, a very strong male parent. Um, I was, I came from a, a single parent family and he, he very much was a very strong role model for me. And I often tell people that, you know, in many cases, if, if you're, if you're experienced and your home life was pretty positive in life, you tend to see the stronger people in your life, your parents, for example, or grandparents, they tend to be, uh, well, I'll say in some cases a larger-than-life character, and I think 
sometimes when you start to see those people as regular people, as you start to grow and develop and socially develop, um, you, you sometimes reach a point of points of disagreement with them, and it's and it's an, it, it's a friendly disagreement. But have you ever worked with clients who, as you said, they they come from means, for example, or they come from a certain background? Have you ever seen clients that that over time see conflict with their upbringing or their social situations and want to take a different direction? And it, and if you do see clients with some of those points of disagreement or those those what I'll call reflection points, how how do you, you typically approach a client who wants to make a transition? I guess my general question here is if I came to you and I, I give you a set of variables, like you said, this is what I came from and this is what I'd like to do. How do you how do you help people typically transition? How do you help them develop so that they have confidence to, to transition? And it's a just a question, just a curiosity I have. Well, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, any any meaningful coaching dialogue is going to really start with a, 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 a assessment or uncovering of what of what beliefs and values are present, and of course what the desired outcomes are going to be. Mm-hmm. And when you when you take that whole ball of wax and you start to evaluate which beliefs and values uh, does a person have that may be serving them. And which ones do they have which may not be serving them? And these things can be shifted, which is one of the, I think, one of the beautiful things about being a human being. You know, you can, you can, uh, as difficult as it may be in some cases, look at your, your, your beliefs and values and say, wow, these, these are some beliefs and values I have that really I, I didn't consciously try to acquire. They just were kind of handed to me or given off to me. And they don't really work or they won't work or they won't serve me in obtaining the desired outcome that I want to have. And so then we take people through some exercises on how to get uh, get freed up from the ones that aren't going to work so well and then to adopt beliefs and values that will enhance their ability to create what they want to have. And that's really a large part of what the coaching conversation is about, is, is really subtracting and uh, transforming the unuseful values and beliefs and replacing them with the ones that are, are helpful. It, it seems almost like um, the, the, the sculpting analogy that I've heard before, that a great sculptor will see an outcome, and this could either be, you know, again, yourself seeing an individual or, or the individual seeing what they would like to be, and it's kind of like giving you a block of marble and then simply removing the unnecessary elements to get to what you'd like to, and that's what the chipping away process is. Um, that That's an interesting way to look at it, and, and again, I have a few more questions, um, but one of them is around, finances, and and I often tell people often that money is nothing more than a tool. And that's my, my personal philosophy, and I know that everyone has different thoughts and philosophies around what finances are, what they aren't, what they can do for you. Um, how do you initiate the conversation with, with most of your clients around finances? It's a very sensitive subject in many cases. So how do you, how do you break the ice a little bit, and how do you, how do you help them see what money is? Is to them, and how do you how do you in some cases try to change their perception of what money and finances really are? Well, that, that's a great question too. Um, <laughs> you know, fortunately, when someone comes in with a with a money concern or a complaint, oftentimes it's it starts out as a complaint. Uh, I don't have enough, or I've got too much debt, or I'm paying too much interest, or you know, there's some mm-hmm. sort of a, a rub with uh, respect to how things are versus how they person would like them to be. So, you know, right right from there, we, we start looking at, okay, well, what, what behaviors have you been engaging in 
uh, financially that have given you this set of circumstances. And uh, without making them wrong, without trying to, uh, you, you know, punish themselves or, or engage in a lot of self-recrimination or self-deprecation, let's just look at what is, you know, being able to examine the state of affairs as they are without adding any meaning to it. That's a very... Uh, a very big piece of the initial financial conversation is let's look at what it, what's what's so you know what's happening here right now, and then uh, from there let's evaluate what the values and beliefs that you've held that have been creating this particular set of circumstances, and then from there uh, it, it's it's just a matter of oftentimes looking at things differently, perceiving things differently, relating to things differently, hearing hearing things differently. And uh, that's that's a large part of the coaching dialogue is to to evoke uh, new perceptions and and provide new options, new patterns of behavior, and that then you know allow the desired future to emerge. That's that's a really good point, and I, I, this is going to lead to my my next question, which is really around challenges. And if you don't have a specific example, that that's okay, and um, maybe we can just use the question as something to consider, but. Have you ever had an instance with a client where you've really reached a challenge with them? Maybe maybe they've come in, and I don't want to say the word combative, but let's say they've come in to talk to you and you've started the discussion and, and, and they're, they're, they're kind of, I don't want to say pushing back on you, but they're, they're kind of being resistant to, to, to hearing what you have to say or, or engaging in the dialogue. And really what they have is a mental monologue, so to speak, that this is how I really think and this is the way things are going to be. Have you ever encountered a challenge like that? And if so, how do you typically get around challenges like that? I'm sure everyone has. So I, I just thought I would, I would ask a question. Well, a couple of things. You know, in the coaching conversation, there has to be the framework for mutual respect, of course. And there's also a component that I call the ability to break rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not in an unfriendly way, but this is, this is a, you know, designed to be a, a positive and helpful conversation. And sometimes when a, when a person needs to be, um, let's, let's say, called out on their stuff, you know, um, we all have a tendency to think that our version of reality is the truth. Of course. That it, it, this is the way that it is. I mean, we live life from behind our eyeballs, right? And so, you know, a person, and all of us, the present company included, uh, all of us have a, a general tendency to think, hey, this is the way the world works. You know, if you put on, uh, you know, rose-colored glasses for about 10 minutes, uh, things would look a little strange for the first few minutes. And then after, you know, like a couple of hours having rose-colored glasses on, you would just uh, you would just say, that's just the way the world works. And that's right. the way it looks. It's all rose. That's right. Yeah. It's rose-colored. And, of course, if somebody else walks in with their green glasses on, then you guys can have a, like a, a really interesting dialogue about how things really appear. I tried this several years ago. I had put on some... They were they sort of had an orange tint, and I was driving. I was kind of crazy. I, I don't know why I did this, except uh, I, I was humoring myself and my kids, I think, at the time. And I, I remember after I had the glasses on for a couple of minutes, I came to a stoplight, and I'm like, this stoplight's not working. And <laughs> for some reason, one of the colors on the stoplight, I don't remember which, which color it was, you couldn't see it with these glasses on, and I had forgotten that I had the glasses on. And I, I was adamant that the stop, this stoplight is not working. And I, I was right about it. I had to, like, you know, tell everybody in the car that there was a malfunction with this stoplight. And I was incredulous because I'd never seen a stoplight that had a malfunction. And this was the first time ever. And it just happened to be that it was because I had these glasses on. And I think that's a, a nice analogy or metaphor 
uh, with respect to how we tend to approach a lot of our lives. We have these sort of filters that we look through that we don't even realize that we're looking through, and I call them transparent filters, not my original idea. Somebody else had that idea at some point. I picked it Patent up. pending. <laughs> yeah. Patent so these, these, we have these transparent filters we don't even realize they're on. And a large part of the coaching conversation is, is as a coach, working with someone to uncover what those transparencies are. What are the filters that you're using that, you didn't, that you're not even aware of? in how you're perceiving and evaluating life and what can we what can we replace those with that are are going to be useful in helping you you know get to the next level all right everybody so we have to apologize for that we had a little bit of a technical difficulty on this call so all right eric you were talking about transparent filters i don't i don't want to cut you off on that point so if you could please possibly maybe recap the transparent filter discussion we can keep moving <laughs> yeah, sure. So I, I was using the example of having uh, having had the glasses on, and yep. you know, because of the glasses, not being able to see the the, the traffic light. And uh, yep. as I was saying, many of our many of our perceptual filters that we operate with in life are, are transparent. In, in other words, we don't notice them. And a large part of the coaching coaching dialogue is to uncover those transparencies and figure out if they're being uh, useful or not useful, and how to replace them. With, with things that are more empowering to help us get what we want. Excellent. And I have a really quick announcement before we get to the next question. And, of course, we'll be wrapping up the, the call shortly. I don't want to take too much of Eric's time. He's very kind to join us. But I do have a quick announcement. In dialing back in uh, for, for completing the, uh, the call here, I was actually talking to the producer of the Frugal Knowledge podcast, and she mentioned that uh, she was scheduling a payment uh, for a bill of hers. And she even said, wow, I, I, I'm actually, financially speaking, I'm actually to a very nice point um, from a savings perspective. And she was really happy with that. And she kind of talked to me and said, well, thank you for helping me get there. But I, I can't be thanked for that. I have to thank people like Eric because it, it really changed. He, like, like he said, it, it changes the way that we think and the perceptions that he helps to create for people helps those people out. So I have to thank you for that. Um, and that was, an, that was an impromptu announcement, everybody. That was not planned. <laughs> so... <laughs> And, um, and see, those are the kind of little nuggets you probably live for, you know, like I do. And you've, you know, you've you've created a context for this. Uh, you know, it is, I think it's probably appropriate for her to thank you because you created the context for this conversation to actually occur and for people yep. to listen. And people are listening. Yep. And one of the things I wanted to ask about Eric, um, you have a very good speaking voice, and I think you're probably an excellent presenter. And, and I've been present when you when you've talked to me about doing presentations, etc. And <clears throat> pardon me, folks, clear my throat there a bit. But one of my questions would be. I know that you had, had worked in, in radio for a bit up in the Jacksonville, Florida area. Um, can you tell me more, and maybe me and more of, a, and more of course, our listeners, what that's really like? I mean, I, I've worked on, on this show for, I believe we're actually at episode 22 now, so it's been, it's been a few months. Um, can you tell me more about what it's like to, to, to broadcast your voice the, the way you do and maybe talk about some of the challenges you might have had? Well, you know, I, I like technology, and as far as radio goes, I don't listen to the radio. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, radio is interesting and all that sort of thing, but I think what you're doing is much more, you know, much more profound and impactful and can reach reach a lot of people. Um, you know, breaking into a, a typical radio, you know, conventional radio type format is is very much a challenge. I and mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, infrastructure that's required and it's very expensive to, um, to, to, to bootstrap into that world. And doing it the way you're doing it with the, with the podcast and all that is, uh, I don't know, it seems like it's much more fun 
it's uh, you know it's, it's not like you got to be at the studio at you know five o'clock to right. broadcast and, and be there for two hours, you know, and that sort of thing. I like the uh, you know the, the way that you're doing things, and, and many people, you know, you've got the iTunes platform and all of these uh, these these ways to listen to to, uh, to what you're doing that just didn't exist 15 years ago, and you can reach a lot more people. Yeah, and that's and and you're absolutely right there. I, I think that doing this more of this on-demand type of format where everyone can pick uh, their method or their or have a choice as to how they consume this show or any other, it, it's much more liberating. It gives it gives us a, a great outlet. And I think again, being on on a, on a radio show as, as you were, um, I, I think it really gives everyone an outlet. And it's a really nice creative outlet. And you help people along the way. But you are right. I think that. Infrastructure-wise, it it is very challenging, and and um, to all of our listeners, I've mentioned it before that we we bootstrapped this show together from nothing. I mean, really, we just used a, a microphone starting out and a cell phone, really, to do all of this. And we, of course, had to clean up the audio a bit, get some better production quality in, and thank goodness my producer is a godsend to this show. By the way, um, she definitely helps out quite a bit, so I have to give her kudos for that. But you're absolutely right. I think it. You see challenges from all sides, and it's very personally fulfilling, and you help others along the way. And for us, when we got to iTunes, that was a huge win for us, especially coming out of a an environment where this show started literally, and I've mentioned this before, Eric, that um, to our listeners, I, I had mentioned that this show started from just a conversation sitting around on a sunny spring day. And we thought, well, how do we do it? And we just started about the process of doing it. And um, again, in, in your coaching career, it seems like you, you work in a similar environment where someone says, how do I do this? And then you, I, 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 would, I would think you would help them build that confidence and, and build the drive and the discipline to really get to where they'd like to go. So um, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of challenges all the way around, particularly from infrastructure. Um, it, it's difficult, but I think it's, it's, it's a really nice outlet and it's a really good way for everyone to help everyone else. And I, I'm glad to see that whichever method you, you, you attempt or whichever avenue you take, you seem like you always do the right thing and try to help people any way that you can. Now, a, a question that I have, and it's, it's a burning question, and I told you uh, in preparation for this, this interview that the, the, the mantra or the, the slogan for the frugal snobs um, is be well and never pay retail. What do you, what do you think about that and when, when I say that? What, what, what comes to mind for you when, when, I, when, I, when I make that statement, be well and never pay retail? Be well and never pay retail. Well, you know, um, I, I'd have to say that I don't think anybody ever got rich paying retail. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, in business school, certainly in the economics uh, and finance classes, you'll 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 hear that in the in the economic formula of how things work in the world, that all investment comes from savings. Everything that's invested is going to come from at, low, at some level somebody's savings, whether it's a equity infusion in a business or, or debt, uh, it, it comes from somebody's savings. And um, if you are of the mind, like probably your listeners are on this podcast, to be healthy financially, then there is going to be at some point this growing awareness that the money that you have accumulated, um, you can do a couple of things with it. I mean, of course, there's several things you can do with money, but... Um, if, if you want to, to be healthy financially, at least in the, in the context that we live in our culture, um, you, you want to be able to invest as much as possible so that you can have those invested funds uh, handle at some point your basic living needs, you know, uh, Maslow's hierarchy, the base level of the pyramid. Uh, at least in our culture, 
they have this sort of this idea that at some point your invested resources can take care of your you know your life your livelihood. Not a lot of people get there uh, because they don't know how and they haven't been taught. And, and that's part of what your podcast hopefully is doing for people. But um, if, if you're if you're paying retail. That, that money that you're paying for retail, that's that's being taken away from your ability to invest, and that probably is is uh, is kind of where you were going with that question, I, I think. It, it certainly it certainly is based on a, a philosophy that that we have here at the at, at not only the Fruitless Nouns podcast but also the Fruitless Nouns project, and and I often tell people that. Um, Really, you should always be treating yourself well. Now, now, what that means to you may be different things. And I think it's also, again, part of the slogan of the be well portion of it, right? I think you should always strive to, to be your best, whatever that is to you. Again, I can't tell everyone what, what their best is. It, it's all introspective, right? But I think that being well, never paying retail, and like you said, the retail portion of it is by not paying retail, you now have a, a liberation, so to speak, of your of your funds and of your means so that you can then focus on being well. And I think, like you said, the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, most people don't get to the whole self-actualization stage, right, at the, the top of the pyramid. And if you look at the bottom of the pyramid, the, the basic needs, food, shelter, et cetera, um, I think for a lot of people, again, based on their values, they look at the, the food and shelter as it might be a larger portion of your concerns versus the top of the pyramid, which is self-actualization. And what I really want, for everyone is to fit within the hierarchy of needs that, in a way that you fit best and that you're most comfortable. And I think um, I, I've always told people, like I said in part one of the call, that money is a tool. And typically, economically, it serves three purposes you know, for the most part, a medium of exchange, a unit of account, and a store of value. And I think your focus um, as a coach also and as an advisor is really around the store of value portion such that, like you said, the stress is reduced over time because your invested funds or the, the 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 funds that you do have work more as an accelerator for you, and you focus less on the lower portions of that pyramid and higher up in the pyramid. So your invested funds are really covering a lot of your your basic life expenses, and I, I think that's what what anyone would want. That's what we try to do on the show, and and quite frankly, I think what what's brought you and I together over the the, the years at multiple points we've discussed a project or or just caught up and touch base is it's around that that store of value and I think never paying retail of course helps um, enhance or grow that store of value so absolutely you know it, it goes back to uh, Tom Stanley's book The Millionaire Next Door also if your listeners mm-hmm. haven't uh, read the book yet it's a great it's a great read uh, Tom is a uh, I believe he's a professor up in Georgia and you know he wrote this book which was basically an analysis of the spending patterns and habits of millionaires uh, and the title of the book, and uh, you know, if you, if you read the book, you'll find that you know, real millionaires don't pay retail; they buy things at Sam's Club. You know, the average millionaire drives a used car that he purchased used. Um, you know, there's a there's a whole litany of things in the book that you know, when you read them, you you think, wow, there's there's a there's a there's a reality and a perception uh, that's that's different. You know, people. The average person might think, "Wow, millionaires drive you know big fancy cars and spend a lot of money on you know on stuff," and that's that's really not the case according to Tom's research, and he's done a lot of it. Uh, so he he's really, I think, one of the you know one of the one of the people that's uncovered some of these truths that we're talking about. 
That, that, that's interesting, and, and I, I have heard of The Millionaire Next Door. Um, that's actually on my, my reading list, I must admit, Eric, along with The 4-Hour Workday. I really want to check that book out as well. <laughs> um, um, but um, it, it seems like um, you definitely have a, a nice coaching practice going on. You have a lot of clients, and it seems like you're, you're, you have a very magnetic personality. That's also what kind of draws me back to talking to you, you know, every, every few months or so, and we do have a chance to catch up with one another. Um, and I will admit, you are the first person, and, I, and I've done interviews before, but I've never done an interview, of course, for this show. But um, so you are my first guest. But you are the first person who's ever in in an interview scenario or an interview situation who's welcomed yourself to the call at the beginning of it. <laughs> so I welcome everyone to the conversation. So <laughs> excellent. Um, hey, you so know, somebody said if you don't vote, if you don't vote for yourself, no one else will vote for you. So uh, actually, I, I have a very I have a very funny story about that. A, a friend of mine who lives in a, a small town out west in Wyoming, uh, he was actually going uh, to vote in a in a state election. And, of course, they have other, other elections going on at the same time, typically local or municipal elections. And there was a, a, a county seat that was actually open, like a commissioner's seat, and it was vacant. And he wrote himself in and started his wife, and, well, he was elected <laughs> with, with two votes. So, um, it's true in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes, well, I, all I have to say is if there is a cat up in Alaska that can be elected as the mayor of a town, which, by the way, folks, go check it out. I will put out uh, an item in the show notes about this. It's not a Ripley's Believe It or Not. It is true. There is a cat that is a mayor of a town in Alaska. Anything can happen. So um, that being the case, Eric, it seems like you have a, a lot of things going on. I won't beleaguer you with any more time on this call because I know you have a lot of adventures to go and take care of a lot of things to tackle. Where can people find out more about you, and, um, and, and wh- where, where can we get in touch? Well, you know, the simplest thing, I think, is email, actually, at this point. And uh, if anyone would like to uh, email me directly, the uh, email address is uh, moneycoacheric, and that's uh, E-R-I-C, moneycoacheric at AOL.com. And, yes, I am still an AOL user. <laughs> that's okay. That's perfectly fine. As long as we can get to you, that's that's the best thing. And so, um, again, you're based down in Bradenton, Florida, and um, hopefully uh, anybody who's the down be- in Central The beautiful thing about technology is that I uh, work with people wherever they have a phone. And an internet connection. So, if uh, if you have any, if, if any of the uh, listeners are, you know, ripe for a, a transition and are looking for a cheerleader and someone who can, you know, assist them either on an ongoing basis or just a one-off basis and move into that next level, I'd be delighted to uh, hear from you and see if there's a, a way we can collaborate. I normally will work with someone on a uh, a basis that works for them in whatever you know form or fashion fits the uh, the need. And we usually start that out with just a, a complimentary 15-minute conversation to see if we would be a good match. Very so nice. No obligation. Excellent. That's very nice. So you heard it here, folks. Eric um, is available. And like he said, a 15-minute complimentary consultation, and he'll work with, with, with everyone who uh, out there who has a phone. Very easy to do. He is based in uh, Bradenton, Florida. It's about, um, I would say, Eric, hour, hour and a half south of where I originated from before I moved to Northern Virginia in the Tampa, Florida area. Mm-hmm. So everyone um, out there, I, I definitely suggest everyone get in, get in touch, check out Eric, send him an email. And, uh, again, if, you, if you're looking to, to change in a multitude of different ways, whether the way, the way it's the way you think, how you'd like to change your, 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 your professional life, your financial life, definitely uh, get in touch with Eric. I can personally say that he's, he's been a very trusted uh, friend to me, colleague, etc. over the years. And I was really happy to have him uh, agree to do this interview. So, 
That being the case, everybody, um, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to uh, this interview, and thank you so much, Eric, for being with us. And uh, as we always like to say, be well, never pay retail. And um, I hope everyone enjoyed this interview. Thanks, Eric. And thank you for having me on board. I appreciate your time and, uh, and, and the time of your listeners as well. Everybody be well and don't pay retail. Excellent. Thanks, Eric. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our conversation with Eric Johnson. And we'd like to thank Eric for uh, granting us an opportunity to speak to him. Very much appreciated. As always, everybody, be well, never pay retail. But before I go, and before we get started on content for our next episode, episode 23, I just wanted to give everyone the typical plugs for the Frugal Snobs. You can find us at frugalsnobs.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash frugalsnobs, on Twitter at twitter.com slash frugalsnobs, at Frugal Snobs, or you can keep the discussion going by using the hashtag Frugal Snobs, all one word, and let us know what you think of our interview with Eric Johnson. We'd like to thank him very much. You can also check out images and a gallery of all of the images that we're actually placing on all of our posts at the blog by going to Tumblr at frugalsnobs.tumblr.com. As always, you can subscribe to this show each and every single week for absolutely free on iTunes. You can also pick up episodes of this show on Stitcher, as well as right from frugalsnobs.com. Let us know what you think. You can send feedback to contact at frugalsnobs.com. And as always, we can always appreciate some assistance here. One of the ways you can help us out is by taking the pod track survey at frugalsnobs.com. Simply go to frugalsnobs.com, click on podcast, click the link for the pod track survey, give five to ten minutes of your time to help us collect demographic data that helps us align content and valuable guests like Eric uh, for your listening pleasure moving forward. So please do help us out by taking the pod track survey at frugalsnobs.com. Further, you can also assist us by doing your regular Amazon shopping that you would do every day simply by doing it from frugalsnobs.com. Go to frugalsnobs.com, use the Amazon search widget, search for your item, click on it from the results. You'll be taken to an Amazon landing page. From there, you can simply complete your purchase using your standard or prime Amazon account. And as always, Amazon is a is a very nice associate of the Frugal Snobs, and in exchange for your shopping via frugalsnobs.com, Amazon is kind enough to kick back a few bucks to us to cover promotion and production costs of this show. Again, it's very helpful. Amazon's a very easy way to help us out. Now, the final way that you can assist us in bringing you this show each and every single week is simply by donating. If you go to frugalsnobs.com, you'll find a donate button toward the bottom of the page, and via PayPal, you have an option to donate an amount of your choice to assist the Frugal Snobs project. So as always, we appreciate everything that all of our listeners do to help us, all of our readers of the blog do to help us keep this project moving forward and help us deliver episodes each and every single week and deliver interviews with guests such as Eric Johnson each and every single week. As always, folks, you can check out everything that we have to offer at frugalsnobs.com. Be well, never pay retail. And as always, I'm going to ride off into the sunset, but I'll be back with you guys again real soon next week. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Be well. Never pay retail.